The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and make sure to download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports betting, so make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Riffer. Riffer is your home for mini podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. And we're back in your degenerate, dirty, degenerate ears. Because I assume degenerates have dirty ears and dirty earlobes and dirty hearing thingamajigs, whatever those things are called that's inside your ear that help you hear. Uh, welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This would be episode 29 by my math. I would be Jeff Fox, your host. I write about the sport. And edit over at sportsgummypodcast.com and I run the MMA exclusive website, MMA-manifesto.com, where you should go right now and enter our, well, you should go there and read everything that's on the site, uh, but you also should go and scroll down a bit and find our pick'em contest and enter it because uh, good old friends of Sports Gummy Podcast are giving away 50 bucks gift card to anywhere you want within reason. Don't make it too embarrassing for me to buy it. Uh, from some kinky place online or something. But, yes, make sure you go there, uh, enter a pick'em contest, all that jazz. Um, before we get into the shenanigans that entail uh, talking about gambling on people having fist fights, I should um, urge you all, implore you, actually, to, if you're listening to this currently on the main sports gambling podcast feed, uh, please go find our the exclusive feed for our podcast, uh, MMA gambling podcast feed it just went up last week please find that and subscribe to it because eventually we will not be on the main uh feed any longer and the only way you're going to hear us is if you subscribe to uh our exclusive feed uh, plus it looks good for the bosses uh, it looks makes us look good to the boxes if we get actually a few people subscribing there and, and while you're there if you could uh give us five stars of course because we're the best um and review um Obviously, all the usual stuff people tell you to do, rate and review. Um, we did get one review last week. It wasn't online. It was actually to my face, and it was from my 10-year-old son. Um, now, to be fair to my associate co-host, he only hears me recording. He doesn't actually listen to the podcast because my family doesn't respect or um, pay any attention to anything I do. So no one listens to the podcast from my house. But he heard me. He hears me recording, and his uh, recap or his review of our podcast is it's just you saying um a bunch and then time for another time for another ad read. So I pretty much he nailed he nailed it. Now that like I said, to be fair, that's just from what I bring to the podcast. He doesn't hear the amazing things my associate host brings. But um if you're if you're into ums and a uh, bunch of ad reads and you've come to the right spot, this is this place for you. Um I'm hoping that the aforementioned associate uh host he was he was uh, given that title a couple weeks ago uh he used to be a co-host but now he's an associate host to get with get with the times in the sports world i'm hoping i'm thinking his kids are young enough to still not openly hate him i'm hoping so uh i know uh his family doesn't listen to the podcast either because uh, no one cares about what we say except you dirty degenerates but i think his kids are probably still too young to openly hate him and give him uh horrible reviews like my son does or if, if I'm playing guitar, he says, oh, what song are you trying to play? You know, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, th that would be um, my friend Daniel Gumby Vreeland, who also hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Prelim Picker podcast. Hello, Daniel. Hey. Yeah, no, they, they don't say mean things yet. They, my, nope. my oldest, who's now old enough to, like, have a real conversation, uh, does uh, say, like, daddy's catcher. And uh, because I'm like, I played baseball growing up and there's pictures of me playing catcher. And occasionally he says, Daddy MMA, which is good. So I apparently am getting, I think that's a better review than you got. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's um, – yeah, you just wait. It, it'll happen soon enough, Dan. They, they will hate you soon enough. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Um, so, yeah, uh, we are here – oh, actually, I should warn you before we go any further, um, in case some of you people with weak hearts uh, want to tune out, um, Dan and I are both on a very serious heater uh, currently, and it could be dangerous to your health. Um, we just don't pick fights wrong anymore. We, we changed our ways. Yeah, I even I even hit plus two seventy five dogs. So, <laughs> there we go. You, know, you can you can just tune in for that piece. I set him up for it and he took it. Very good. Um, yeah, I'm a no. I I've cherry picked these stats to make them uh, look better. I, I I only am recording my stats from when I started doing good. But since I started doing good a few weeks ago, I'm thirty two and eleven. And since Dan started doing good a week before I did. So it's uh, he's 42 and 16. So we're both like well over the 70 percent clip. So that is pretty darn good. Um, now, if uh, our loyal listeners, I think that would be what my mom and I think Dan's mom, maybe. Um, other than that, uh, if you have listened from the from the jump, you, you will know that we dug ourselves a, a hole uh, to start off the year. It was basically just so we could get uh, red hot right when we got launched onto our new feed and, you know, create some suspense and like, Oh my God, are they going to make it out of this hole? I'm so worried about Dan and Jeff. They are losing all their money and they have mouths to feed and stuff, but um, it's all part of the plan. Don't worry. Now that we're on our own feed, which you all have, since I spoke and have subscribed to, we are, um, we are on the upswing again and we will be out of our hole very, very shortly. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I see no reason why not. Although I will say, you know, not to to sort of bury the the whole reason to listen to us, I will say not a whole lot of huge underdogs this week, and even less huge underdogs that I like. Oh, there you go. That is what we call foreshadowing, folks. It's a tease. Dan is teasing you, tickling you with a feather. Um, yeah, I guess we can we should jump right to it since I have a hard out, as we like to say in the business. Um, now. Because of that, I'm going to make the executive decision. Dan wanted to spend at least 45 minutes to an hour talking about Conor McGregor and <laughs> Dustin Poirier Dustin fighting on Twitter about um, a donation um, oh, to, to a charity. It's, it's um, so bad. But I, I told him no. I told him no, we don't have time for that. And then he said, okay, fine. Can we at least talk half an hour about Jake Paul and Ben Askren? And I oh. said, no, no, no. We, we have to we have to stick to the plan for this the, week. For the and, record, you, uh, you can you – can sl- Slander my name by saying I wanted to talk about the Twitter beef between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, but do not slander my name with even you know entertaining the idea of talking about whatever that is happening on Saturday that isn't a UFC card. But in in all fairness, you can bet on it, and we do have a very good article. <laughs> not to crap on the side, but we do have a very good article that I commissioned on it, uh, a pre an actual preview for this this pretend boxing match. Um, that you can actually bet on. So you may want to go to Sports Gambling Podcast and check that out. So um, before we break down the card, let me uh, do one of my uh, – a shout-out to my son, and let's do a uh, let's do an ad read and say, ah, uh, as I lead into it. This one's for WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. Um, and they have lots of nice lines. Every time I go on there, I, I like to see how how favored my Phoenix Suns are. And they're always favored because they're the greatest and they're going to win the NBA title. So, All right, let's talk about um, – now, uh, to show you what kind of insight you can expect tonight, it, I spent a – far too long staring blankly out the window before we went on air trying to remember who's fighting this weekend in the main event and I, it came to me eventually it's Whitaker versus Gaslam. um what a, I, I couldn't what a remember burner. <laughs> yes i couldn't remember it, it it couldn't be the case that the ufc just runs event after event after event after event every week that, that couldn't be the case it's because I'm, i must be old or hit my head or something so uh, this would be this saturday night ufc on espn Whitaker versus Gaslam. don't you dare miss it it's also known as UFC and ESPN 22, also known as UFC Vegas 24, and also known as, according to Dan, UFC, what, Fight Night Barn Burner, we're going to call it, fight, maybe? Fight Night Barn Burner. There is, you go, is, that's good. I have to ask ahead of time, because we did not discuss this, is Calvin Gastelum kind of a hashtag chunky guy? Oh, yes. Yeah, but <laughs> we didn't have our chunky guy pre-production, but yes, I, middleweight Calvin Gastelum definitely is a chunky guy. He's he's a little uh, loose and 
around the around the middle there. So yes, most definitely, folks. There's another. Uh, we have some Trekkie guys coming up. You just wait. So this event is going down as they all are until they do the super spreader event in a week or two. Uh, this is going down the UFC Apex uh, in Las Vegas. It is on ESPN. The main cards on the, and the prelims actually are both on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Start times: main card 10 p.m. Eastern. Prelims 7 p.m. Eastern. And right now we've got one, two, three, what? Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What? Twelve fights? We had thirteen, but Hakardo uh, Hamosh just uh, got pulled from the event just before we went to went to air here uh, for COVID uh, protocols. So Bill Agio is without a dance par- partner as we speak. Um, it's not really known whether or not they're going to get him a partner or if they're just going to bump this fight uh, a little further down the line. So. We will get started with a, this is another last minute fight uh, here, a lightweight battle between Austin Hubbard and the de, the uh, debuting and short notice replacement Dakota Bush. This is very short notice. This is what, just earlier this week, I think. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he took the fight uh, by my estimation. Uh, we are recording as of Wednesday night, uh, just before this release is probably Thursday morning. Uh, and I believe he accepted it two days ago. I think it was on Monday he took it. There you go. And we know, our loyal listeners know, that late replacement fighters only are winning 35% of the time since the starting of 2020. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, my associate co-host, who is, I know who he's leaning towards here. Um, let's go to Dakota Bush first, 8-2. and two. As a professional, two knockouts, four submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. Like I said, this is his UFC debut, and this is on short notice. Uh, he's won two straight fights. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's got uh, two inches of reach. He's five years younger than Hubbard. Uh, he's at plus 150. Um, all these all these lines, um, yeah, all these lines were as of, what, I think Tuesday, I believe, when, when I did the research. So they probably haven't changed too much since then. Uh, as for Hubbard, Austin Hubbard, 12 and 5, five knockouts, two submissions, Two and three in the UFC, he has swapped wins and losses back and forth over his last few fights, and he did lose his last fight. So that's something to keep in mind. He may be up for another win coming. Uh, He did get uh, substituted. (laughs) Submitted, how about? Submitted his last fight. He's at minus 175. Um, From listening to earlier today, the Prelim Picker podcast, which you all should listen to also, I think Dan is leaning towards the man known as Dakota Harry Bush. Yeah, I'm going to take Harry Bush on this one because it's such a great sentence. Uh, it, like, look, the the path to victory against Austin Hubbard is written, right? Like, look at the guys who, who he's beat. Look at the guys who have beaten him. Like, he's lost to Marco Madsen, an Olympic wrestler. He lost to uh, Davi Hamosh, who's, uh, you know, world-class grappler. Um, and then last time out, he lost to Joe Selecki, who we just watched out-grapple Jim Miller. So the, the, the thing is out on Thud Hubbard here is, like, if you're a really great grappler, you're going to win probably by grappling him up and the people who didn't beat him are Kyle Prepolek, who, you know, pretty much has very little grappling at the highest level to, to speak of. And Max Roshkoff, who again, dominated him with grappling until he was utterly exhausted and got pieced up on the feet. Dakota Bush has got an incredible gas tank. He's got, uh, if you look at his last five wins, four of them are by rear naked choke using his, his submission game. He's just the right kind of opponent to beat somebody like Austin Hubbard. And despite the fact that it's on short notice, I still like Dakota Bush in this fight as long as he comes in, you know, as fit as I believe he should be. And looking at his resume on topology, he's he's fought some pretty decent guys in LFA. Uh, four and one, five and three. Uh, he lost a nine and two guy. Um, seven and four, two and one. So he hasn't uh, eight and two. He lost to that one also. Hey, hmm, interesting. But yeah, he's fought in LFA for a long time, um, which is which is something of note. Uh, what four years he's spent there, which is probably the top regional promotion you'd say. Yeah, uh, probably. It, it, um, it's right up there, and it depends on whether or not you count things like caged uh, warriors as a right, regional yeah. promotion, because like that's higher level, and it's technically regional because it only happens in the UK. But like, it, it's that's higher level than LFA. But I, I would say yeah, LFA is definitely the biggest regional promotion stateside right and uh um yeah so he's definitely got got a a a very decent resume for a um fighter making his debut i'm just wasting time here because i'm not sure who who i'm picking you're picking bush for sure correct and you're taking the plus money i did just officially take bush getting the plus 150 money all right i'm going that too i i like the um 
I like his resume and I like his uh, I like the plus money on this also. And he should be in fairly decent shape. He just fought back in what January, um, end of January. So all right, let's do it. Let's take some plus money. Um, I was I was flip flopping on that one, so I'm gonna take. You got to take a couple dogs. Uh, this card, what, 13 fights, 12 fights? You should take about what four dogs, three to four dogs. So uh, according to the math, and numbers never lie. So moving right along, let's. Uh, jump into a bantamweight fight between Tony Gravely and Anthony Burchak. Um, Anthony Burchak is 15 to seven with five knockouts and seven submissions. He's two and three in the UFC. Uh, he's had two stints in the UFC. He just made his return and lost that match. Um, so that was his very last fight, which he lost. Uh, before that, he would have been two and two in his first run in the UFC. Uh, he also is one and zero in Bellator and zero and three in Ryzen over in uh, Japan. Three inches taller than Gravely, a strike. He's got striking advantage. Plus, he's the more active striker, which is a new stat. I am. Uh, I've started tracking. More, more active striker wins 55% of the time this year. So something to keep in mind. Um, not a massive advantage, but it's something to keep in mind also. Um, as for Tony Gravely, 20 and six, with eight knockouts, three submissions. He's lost five times by submission. It's something to keep in mind. Burchak has. Almost half of his victories have come via submission. He's one and one in the UFC uh, after winning his last fight. He won his way into the big show by winning on the Contender Series, where he was one and zero. He is on an eight and one run currently. Uh, he's five years younger than Burchak. Uh, grappling stats are in his favor. He's at minus three twenty five. Um, are you leaning Gravely despite the the line this big? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Gravely, and I, I think not only am I leaning there, I actually don't even mind the line being that big. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Anthony Burchak, who has a wrestling background. He's recently said he's reinvested in that wrestling, and he really feels like uh, he's going back to what worked for him in the early parts of his career. He's just fighting the worst opponent for that. You know, like you're looking at Tony Gravely, who's like a ball of muscle. The dude is so strong, and he's looked so good taking people down. And like you know, you mentioned submission losses. Yeah, submission losses. You know, his last one before. I mean, he got submitted by Brett Johns. That's legit. I'll give him the Brett Johns one. Brett Johns is a freaking beast, right? And before that, if you go back into his record, like it hasn't been for three years. Before that. It was Patchy Mix, who's maybe Bellator, one of Bellator's better guys at Bantamweight right now. Then you get Manny Bermudez on the regional circuit. Again, another whiz who went to the UFC, and if he could have just made weight a couple of times, he'd probably still be there. He's got a decision loss to Marab Devalishvili, Ricky Bandejas, who's also in Bellator, and then he's got a loss to Pat Sabatini, who's about to make his UFC debut. So, like, his losses are to phenomenal talent. It's one of the best resumes of losses out there. And then you can include a couple of the guys he's beaten. He beat Draco Rodriguez on the regional circuit. He's a UFC guy too. Like the the level of opponent for Tony Gravely that he's been able to outgrapple and outsubmit his whole career. Man, I have so much respect for what he's able to do in the wrestling department that I just see if Anthony Burchak is like, oh yeah, I'm back in love with my wrestling. Man, it's too bad that that fight earlier didn't happen for Anthony Burchak when he was supposed to fight Johnny Eduardo because that was a guy he might have been able to wrestle and this just isn't. All right, Tony G's both their picks. He was uh, who I was leaning towards, and you didn't talk me out of that. So we will go with Tony G. Um, this fight, apparently this is a UFC-level fight. Uh, women's bantamweight. Uh, Zara Farron Dos Santos versus, is it Josian or Josian Nunez? I, I do not know the answer to that, but I do know it, she goes mostly by Josie. Um Josie, there you go. Um, Let's tell you about Dos Santos. Uh, Some people may remember her because she's fought, what, uh, Megan Anderson and Felicia Spencer in her UFC career. So they really uh, threw in the deep end. Uh, Is this, this is her first Bantamweight fight in UFC? She's coming down to Bantamweight for the first time in the UFC, but she had fought outside of the UFC at Bantamweight. Okay, that was the next question. Okay, excellent. Uh, She is 6-4 as a pro with four knockouts. Like I said, she's 0-2 in the UFC. Last the uh, last fight was over a year ago, February of 2020. <clears throat> like I said, this is uh, her debut, or Dan said, this is her UFC debut at 135. Uh, she's six inches taller than Noon's, five inches of reach, uh, plus 108. As for the debuting <clears throat> Noon's, or Nunez, 7-1 uh, with six knockouts. So this may actually be a, one of the rare women's fights that actually you, we we see a finish in. Um She's never been finished. Uh, uh, Noon's never been finished. So she lost one decision fight. Uh, this is her debut. She's won six straight, six, six straight fights. How about? Uh, last five via some form of knockout slash TKO. 
She's 10 years younger than Dos Santos, which is a huge, huge gap there. Minus 135. Um, I'm going with her. I don't know a heck of a lot about her. Um, I'm sure Dan can fill you in a bit. It looks like she really hasn't fought out of the Brazilian regional scene, right? No, and she's fought absolutely terrible competition on the regional right. scene, too, and I'm still taking her. Because what I've seen from Zara Farine Del Santos, I'm just not impressed with what I see out of her. You know, she she looks not UFC level, and then just coming down a weight class, I don't see that going any better. Plus, what I've seen of Josie Nunes, she has fought, like, really bad level of competition, but she's crazy aggressive, has big punching power, and I think as long as she doesn't gas herself out here, she's probably just going to pound Frayne on the feet. Uh, and I actually probably favor her in the grappling, too. I, I think the only reason this line is so close is just because both are kind of unknown commodities. You got a, a Brazilian regional fighter who's only fought, you know, tomato cans and looked great doing it. You got somebody who's gotten two fights in the UFC and has fought, you know, two really tough, legit featherweights uh, and and had a miserable time doing that. So, uh, kind of unknown commodities, but I'll still take Josie Nunes here uh, as a slight favorite. Um, and I think, you know, it might be worth sprinkling in a prop on TKO here because it doesn't look like Farine is, is coming in with uh, any ability to stick around in any of her fights so far. Yep, there you go. A prop bet for you. Um, all right, before we move on, I think we're going to differ on the next uh, next fight. Finally, we're going to have a, a fight that we differ on. Let me tell you about Better Than Dot Vegas, something we don't differ on. We both love Better Than Dot Vegas. Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which is sports betting, of course. Uh, and SGP, us good people, are giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. I am slotted in for Saturday, so you will Maybe I'll show off my my uh, homemade haircut. You never know on this Saturday. Uh, Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. Make sure you subscribe for our profile so you don't miss a pick. That's sportsgummypodcast.com slash BTV, sportsgummypodcast.com slash BTV. And go ahead, give Top Turtle a follow when you're on there too, and you can see Dan's picks as well. Um, all right. Now, uh, as I was hinting to, I think we're going to differ on this fight because I just listened to Dan's, one of his other podcasts. I shouldn't listen to his other podcasts, but I do. Uh, but I do. You're getting since the Dan, jump on me. <laughs> uh, um, since, since Dan Dan uh, insults people who listen to everything he, he uh, puts out there, um, he, he thinks they have no life. But I'm one of those people, so as sad as that is. Uh, it would be a middleweight fight. Gerald Mearshart versus Bartosz Fabinski. Uh, I don't – actually, it's not a surprise who you're picking this one because you're a grappling nerd. Uh, Mearshart, 31 and 14. With six knockouts, 23 submissions. Uh, there's the grappling for you right there. Uh, he's 6-6 six and six in the UFC. Uh, he's lost his last two fights via some form of knockout or TKO. He's only won one of his past four and two of his last seven. And Dan's going to pick him still. Watch. Uh, he's <laughs> more, an inch taller, two inches of reach, a year younger. He's the more active striker of the two. But um, <laughs> the striking is a little different than his opponent, who actually has power. Uh, he's at plus 112. That's for Fabinski, 15 and four with eight knockouts. Uh, he's lost three times via submission, so that is something to, to look out for here. Um, he's three and two in the UFC. He lost the last fight via submission. Uh, once again, look out. Uh, he's only won one of his last three, and guess what? Both of his losses were via submission. Uh, he has the better striking stats. He also has better grappling stats. Surprisingly, Mirshard's actually not a very good grappler. He's a uh, he's strictly a jiu-jitsu type guy, not much of a wrestler. Uh, Fabinski minus 140. I'm going to take Fabinski because, uh, you know, just the physical uh, aspect and the power aspect of this. But I think Dan's going to go with Mirashart. Well, I will tell you. So, first of all, you, you mentioned, you know, the power aspect. I, I am going to – I won't try to sway you entirely, but I will try to sway <laughs> you a little bit in saying – you, you got to remember also that this is Fabinski moving up to middleweight, um, which okay, he's done right. once. He's done it once before. He did it successfully against uh, Darren Stewart uh, during that like weird fight that happened in Cage Warriors instead of happening uh, because both of them just happened to be in England and were going to fight uh, on the UFC card in England right when the coronavirus shut things down. Um, and they were like, ah, oh, we're both here with neither of our opponents. We'll just fight at middleweight. It's fine. And I think, to be fair to Darren Stewart, I think he stepped into a fight there where he didn't really see what was coming, right? Like, he, he wasn't preparing for a grappler. He got a grappler, and as a result, it went badly for him. I would also say I want to, re like, backtrack a little bit on his terrible record, right? Because if you look back, yeah, he's got two wins in his last seven fights, but actually two of those are split decision losses. And if you go on MMA decisions... Uh, the first one, which was against Eric Anders, or rather the most recent one, there's, you know, 18 scores here, or 
15 scores here from the, the media. Two people have it for Eric Anders. The other 13 have it for Gerald Mearshart. And if you go back to his other split decision, a loss to Kevin Holland, which people are heavily lauding how great Kevin Holland is, 18 media members there, 15 scored it for Gerald Mearshart. So, you know, not for anything. Yeah, he is, uh, you know, two and, two and five in his last seven. Could very easily be four and three with a win over Kevin Holland in that span. So, well, I think a lot of people are quick to write him off. And yeah, you know, he did get knocked out by Kamzat Chemaev. You know, people get knocked out by Kamzat Chemaev. Fabinski is not the guy who's going to go in there and knock him out, right? Like, are you afraid of Fabinski's hands? I'm not. Fabinski's best You friend. aren't, for real? No, I'm not. Look at, look at what Fabinski... You, you, you would fight him and not be afraid of his hands. I mean, he's got a lot of decisions. Now, <laughs> for, for those of you who think I'm just being an internet tough guy here, I mean, I am... Substantial. <laughs> I am substantially larger than him to start. Let, let's start there. I am, you know, he's, he's six foot one eighty five. I'm like six three two twenty. So like, I'm a bigger guy than he is. And in addition to that, he doesn't throw big punches. Like he he throws that jab out there to set up the takedown, and he wins decisions. And the the last two guys who he's lost to are guys who when he took went to go take them down, they choked him or they armbarred him. And like. Look, literally what Gerald Mearshart wants is you to take him down so he can work his submission game off of his back or a guillotine on the way down. And so, like, I just think Fabinski is going to play into that enough that Fabinski may be the better fighter. Fabinski may be a better striker, a better wrestler, and all of that may be true, and it won't matter. And I'm going to take Gerald Mearshart here as the underdog. All right. Get that plus money and make sure everybody make sure you uh... – Make sure you copy uh, Fabinski into this uh, tweets into <laughs> in this episode and tell him that Dan wants to fight him. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Purple Bell, Dan wants to fight him. All right, uh, moving on. Women's strawweight. Uh, I don't, Dan probably thinks he's tougher than these ladies too. Uh, Jessica <laughs> Penny, Lupita, aka Lupi Godinez. Um, let's go with Jessica Penny. Uh, you may remember her. She actually fought for the title way back when. Uh, previous generation of mma uh she's 12 and 5 with two knockouts seven submissions uh she's only won one of her last four ufc fights um including losing her last three and when was her last fight you asked it was april of 2017 of course uh she's been in what a drug uh suspension fighting all that jazz all that fun stuff um she before all this she was three and one in evicta one and one in bellator she is three inches taller and has four inches of reach on Godinez, and she's a plus 230. That's for Loopy, who I th- she, I think you say, I wrote a very, I, I read a very nice article about her on MMA-Manifesto today, um, saying she's from Mexico, but she actually trains out of Vancouver, right? She was born in Mexico, but yes, right. train, trains out of Canada. So that, that's a fellow Canadian, so you know what happens. Actually, I, I picked a Canadian last time, and it worked well for me, so we'll see. Uh, she's 5-0 and as a pro, uh, with only one knockout. All the rest are finishes, are, uh, decisions. Excuse me. She's making her debut here on short notice. That's a couple uh, red flags right there. She's 10 years younger, though, uh, than Penny. Minus 300. Um, I got I to gotta ride with her. Um, she was. She's also what the – I guess she's been stripped of the town now, but she was the LF. A strawweight champion, I believe, correct? Yes, and, and in addition to that, too, I think people see her 5-0 and record and they're like, eee, did she have the experience she needs? D- dude, she's got a like a 12-fight amateur career, which involves bouts, two bouts with Sam Hughes, who's in the UFC now, a pair of bouts with Jamie Lynn Horth-Wessels, who's in Invicta now. Like, she, she's fought really great competition in her that was in her amateur career, and then she fought Vanessa Demopoulos, who was on the Contender Series uh, in the, her LFA title bout, and it, she looks so good in that fight. The the thing I would say when I'm breaking down this fight is like a lot of people are like ready to write off Penne for the long layoff, and I always think that that's kind of a mistake to just say, well, they, she's been away, so she sucks. But when I objectively break down this fight, I actually think Lupita Gunitas beats Jessica Penne that we saw last time. Like the last Jessica Penny we saw gets beat by Lupita Godinez because Godinez is a really great volume puncher. She's also very safe defensively. And what that means is she just like, she, she maintains distance and controls distance expertly. She gets in, she hits, she gets the hell out while also keeping the pressure on her opponent. And for me, that's great against Penny because Penny's path to victory here is to get it to the ground. And and that's kind of always been her path to victory. 
and I don't see her being able to get close enough to Godinez. And even if she does, Godinez is very strong. There you go. Uh, and can you really go against someone who uh, goes by the name Loopy? Really, you can't, can you? No, I don't think so. She, she's no, uh, also, if you happen to listen to Top Turtle Podcast this week, you can uh, catch it. our interview with Lupita Godinez, who is a, a delight in addition to being a hell of a fighter. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, speaking of delights, Chunky Guy is coming up. Dan's getting oh, excited for this, this one. Is, this is my favorite fight in the whole card. Exactly. Maybe in the year. <laughs> Heavyweight, Alexander Romanov. Either um, depends on on uh, where you look. Either his name, his first name has a uh, E-R at the end or just an R. It's up to you, basically. Um, perhaps he ate the E, Dan? He is a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he is fighting Juan uh, Don Flamenco uh, Espino. Do you, you get that reference? I don't. I might be too young for that one. Mike man. Tyson's Mike Tyson's punch out. He looks exactly like Don oh, Flamenco from, yeah, from Mike yeah. Tyson's punch out. He does look a little yeah. bit like that dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very very big, very very big version of him. All right, let's go. Um, this is this is a fun one to break down. These both these guys are very fun to look at and fun to watch fight. Uh, Espino is ten and one, uh, one knockout, seven submissions. He's won both his UFC fights via submission. He is an inch shorter than Romanov. He has five inches of reach, striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus one twenty. Uh, Romanov thirteen and zero with five knockout, eight submissions. So nothing but finishes there. Uh, he's also 2-0 in the UFC, also both via submission. Uh, he's 10 years younger, minus 150. Uh, I'm going with Romanov, and uh, yeah, this this should be a fun fight. Dude, Romanov may be the most underrated heavyweight in the UFC. I'm going to, first of all, put that claim out there, because I think he's phenomenal, in addition to being a big, chunky guy. Dude, his takedowns are so fun. Like, he slammed uh, the, the poor dude from Guam on his head like, I'm trying to remember his name now. Uh, on his head, like, three different... Oh, Roque Martinez. It was Roque Martinez. Um, right, yeah. He dropped yeah. Roque Martinez on his head, like, four times uh, before he finally submitted him with an arm triangle. And then in the second fight, the forearm choke, I, I didn't know that that would work. Uh, and it did, and it put his opponent out cold. So not only is he really good with sub-skills, but as far as, like, the breakdown with this fight goes, Juan Espino is a great grappler. He's just going to have no opportunities to work off the top here. And the type of grappler he is, is looking for things like arm triangles and, and arm bars from top and, and rear naked chokes. And, and like, he's not the type of guy who's going to throw up a triangle off of his back or, you know, I, I don't really see him as the type who could snag an arm bar off of his back. So for Juan Espino to win this fight via grappling, he's going to have to be on top and with the way that Romanoff wrestles, I just don't see that as a possibility. And I also give Romanoff the, the advantage on the feet. I, I think this is a, a pretty clear-cut fight for Romanoff, and the, the odds look pretty nice for him as well. Yeah, plus, not to mention, he's, he's a decade younger, and that, that does make a big difference, um, especially with guys that, that hit as uh, hard as he does. So, yeah, Romanoff is, is our pick here. Uh, on to the... Oh, and speaking of Romanov, he, if you look at older pictures of him, he's gotten in a lot better shape since he's come to the UFC, so he, <laughs> he, he may not be one of our favorite fighters for, for much longer if this keeps up, because uh, uh, he, he looks svelte compared to older pictures of him. All right, uh, moving on. Women's flyweights will be headlining the prelims. Tracy Cortez versus Justine Kish. First of all, Dan, did you realize that Justine Kish is not her real name? Yeah, it's something much more Russian yes. sounding, correct? Svetlana Nazbulina. Nazibulina is her real name. Now, I want to know how she got to Justine Kish. Can you have her on your show and find out, please? I believe I have had her on my show. I believe I've talked about this with her. I believe oh, no. She, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I could have this wrong, so don't quote me on it, I believe she was adopted as a younger child and okay, moved, to, yeah, yeah. moved to North Carolina, which is why... Uh, she trained at Jim O at least for a short period of time. Um, I could, yes, again, I do remember I, that. I could be slaughtering this story a little bit, so don't don't quote me on this, but I'm fairly certain it's because she was adopted. Okay, now now it's not funny at all that, that she has a name that's totally different than Svetlana Nazibulina. Nazi but yeah, I do kind of remember that, at being a loyal listener of the Top Turtle, of course. All right, um, we'll break down Kish's um, resume here. 7-3 with two submissions. Three and three in the UFC. She's only won one of her last four fights. Uh, she's the more active striker of the two. Plus 205. Going in this one, Tracy Cortez, eight and one with one knock at one submission. Two and all in the UFC. Uh, one and oh on the contender series. Two and one in Evicta. She's won eight straight fights, so she lost her pro debut and she hasn't looked back. Uh, inch 
of reach, five years younger, striking grappling stats in her favor, minus 270. Uh, she's the obvious pick here. She's just going to be – and she's she's moving down for this fight, I believe, correct? She's moving down to flyweight from or, – or she used to be uh, bantamweight at the very least. So, yeah, I think she's the obvious pick here. Yeah, I, I think she's a, a clear pick too. I, I do have a reservation. I, I – so first of all, I liked her better at flyweight before she came to the UFC. She came to the UFC and decided to, to be bantamweight, and I, I didn't really like her at bantamweight. I, I think she's undersized for bantamweight, and the best trait of hers in her Invicta fights and her earlier fights was her physicality. Um, and I think, you know, for her, that physicality went away a little bit at bantamweight, and that that's a problem. I think it's back at, at flyweight. The hesitancy I have, though, is having been up at bantamweight and not been doing the full cut if her nutrition is off, which I'm not saying that it is, but it does give me enough of a pause to be moving back down a weight class again, having not lost um, and sort of gotten comfy in your new weight class. If that winds up being a difficult cut or something like that, Justine Kish is scrappy as hell. Uh, she's hard to put away. So like if she doesn't put her away and that cardio does wind up being an issue, I could see this being a problem. As, with all that said, I'm still taking Tracy Cortez. I'm just saying at a price tag around 270 or higher, maybe that's not my lock of the week. Yeah, no, uh, I wouldn't say so. Also, um, if you do want to bet this fight for some uh, reason, I would say hang on until after the weigh-ins on Friday. Uh, make sure Cortez makes weight and, and see how uh, how she looks doing so. Um, these fighters who have missed weight only have won 33% of the time since 2020. So it's uh, you would think being heavier would be an advantage because that's why people cut weight. But um, people that miss weight uh, are not doing very well. So that's something to keep in mind. If, it, like I said, if you if you do want to uh, bet on this fight or any fight where you think uh, or where a fighter has the history of of missing weight or or having tough weight cuts, you may want to uh, hold off betting them until the day before the fight and, and see uh, see how they look on the scale. So um, so we're both, both going Cortez in this one. That wraps up the prelims. We will move on to the main card, and we're going to do it ad-free. So let's tell you about our first sponsor, uh, our last sponsor, excuse me. That would be a new one, Riffer. The Sports Gambling Podcast is now on Riffer. Uh, it's R-I-F-F-R. Uh, Riffer is your home to mini episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is a perfect quick fix. Make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page by going to Sports Gambling Podcast slash Riffer. That's Sports Gambling Podcast com. Sorry, I forgot the dot com slash Riffer, R-I-F-F-R. And if you want to know more about Riffer, a really amazing writer named <laughs> Daniel Reland actually wrote about them on Sports Gambling Podcast a few days ago, and it was expertly edited by someone also. So um, check that out. All right, main card time. Um, Bantamweight, Bill Algio versus TBD. Um, <laughs> I don't know too much about TBD. Do you? I, I think Algio probably is going to win this one, but I'm not sure. I will say this too, you know, not to give a breakdown on your your joke here, but like if Bill Algio gets an opponent here, you can bet Bill Algio because the dude yeah. is a beast. Um, yeah. I, I I've been sold on Bill Algio since he lost to Ricardo Ramos on uh, not Ricardo Ramos. <laughs> he's the one who pulled out of the fight. Ricardo, right. Ricardo Lamas, uh, he fought in his debut on like three days notice and, and absolutely went out there and, and put on a show. He took a beating from Lamas and he just kept moving. Um, and, and I believe that was up at fly or uh, featherweight too. So, you know, back at Bantamweight, back in his rightful division, it, it's good to see uh, hopefully him get an opponent here because I, I think he is a guy who you could really see make some some leeway in the Bantamweight division. Plus, um, we've spoken about the difficulty short replacement uh, or late replacement fighters have had uh, winning fights. So, yes, definitely. If Algio gets an opponent, especially since this is we're recording this Wednesday night and he doesn't have an opponent yet and what, uh, fights in three days. So, yeah, definitely um, go um, for Algio, unless he's fighting Daniel Gumby Vreeland, in which case... If I make if I make if Bantamweight, make Bantamweight. You don't, if I make Bantamweight, you don't pick me. Uh, I, uh, that is very true. There's something very wrong with me if I made Bantamweight. All right, how about lightweight? We got lightweights coming up. I think that might be a stretch too uh, for Dan. Um, that, that's a pretty big. That'd be a pretty big weight cut. <laughs> all right, we got Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena versus Alex Vander Alex Munoz. Um, Munoz six and one with two knockouts, one submission. 
So he's finished half of his fights by my math. He's never been finished himself. He's got one decision uh, L on his record, and that was his UFC debut, which was also his only fight in the UFC. So he's only won the UFC. One low on the Contender Series, plus 120. Uh, Violent Bob, who started off, looked like he was a star on the rise and kind of stubbed his toes since then. Uh, Pena is 8-3. and three. Two knockouts, four submissions, four and three in the UFC. Lost his last fight. Only he's won one of his last three fights. He is a half a foot taller, though. He's six. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Dan getting getting too uh, lightweight, yeah, Pena's not much smaller. Um, he's six inches taller than Munoz. Three inches reach. Three years younger. Minus 150. Um, he is my pick in this one. I'm gonna go with Munoz on this one. All right. Uh, I I think. Uh, the wrestling is going to be too much here for, for Luis Pena. That's true. Um, the, yep. my, my big problem with Luis Pena since he's been in the UFC is his takedown defense doesn't look good. His ability to get up does. Uh, I've always been impressed with his ability to get up and his ability to threaten off the back, even though he's not hitting tons of subs, but enough to like open up the possibility um, to at least you know start to use a sweep that helps him get up or something like that. I, I've been really impressed with that by Pena. But the difference here is he, he's against a guy who is a really good wrestler. Um, and he's going to, you know, he had a short training camp uh, against Nazarat Hawkprost uh, to sort of fill in last second there. But he's an alpha male guy and he fights like an alpha male guy. Uh, and I just think that type of style is not good for Pena. Um, and, and we saw him kind of do it to Nick Newell, too, on the Contender Series. That's who his Contender Series wins over. You guys might remember right. Nick Newell is the guy with uh, a genial amputee. He's only got one arm uh, and the other one cut off at the elbow. Um, but it's like a beast. He went in there and fought uh, Justin Gaethje back in, in World Series of Fighting and stuff like that. But that's what he did to Nick Newell. He just grounded him, and he just held him there. Um, and I kind of expect that kind of fight here for, for Munoz, too. And even if Pena gets up and you know 17 times, I feel like he's going to get taken down 18. Um, and, and for me, especially when you look in and you see the plus number next to, to Alex Munoz's name, and, and that's a real possibility, I, I think i got to go with him here. Yeah, there. Can I switch my pick, Dan? <laughs> I love when I'm convincing, though. I'm switching my pick because uh, I, as you're saying that, I'm picturing all, all the uh, Pena getting taken down over and over in, in all his last fights, and uh, like you said, he always gets up, but he always gets taken down again. So, yeah, I'm switching, especially with the plus money. It's that's worth a uh, a stab here. So, let's do it. Um, Look at me being persuasive and shit. I know. I, I know. <laughs> um, Middleweight Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Jacob Mal. Can, uh, or Malkoon. He is 4-1. Uh, Malkoon, that would be two knockouts. He's only won the UFC. Uh, that the uh, one loss would, was via KO in his last fight. He is 10 years younger, though, than his opponent. He's at plus 240. Um, Al-Hassan, 10-3 with 10 knockouts. So all his fights <laughs> all his fights have ended via knockout. Uh, he's 4-3 in the UFC. Before that time, he was 2-0 in Bellator. Uh, he's lost his last two fights. He got KO'd his last fight also. His last win actually was back in September of 2018. He's also missed weight his past two fights. Um, so this is his, that was at welterweight. This is his first UFC fight at 185 pounds middleweight. Uh, he's an inch taller. He's striking and active striking stats in his favor, grappling in his favor, minus 325. Uh, despite all the red flags and the high number, I'm going to be taking him in this. Yeah, I think him moving up in weight is really good for him. Like He, he clearly right. bulked up a little bit after... Um, so he, he was away after being uh, accused of some things and there were some court cases and it pretty much kept him from fighting. And, and eventually all those he was cleared of all of the, the charges against him. So, um, you know, and you can say what you want about that and feel free to read into it. I'm not going to go into to court cases here, but I, I think that long time away in being that it wasn't like an injury time away allowed him to like work out and bulk up and he got big. And, and I think as a result, you know, like we saw in the loss to more near Lizez. He, he just didn't look like he had the same speed at welterweight anymore, and he looked like he tired quicker. You know, in the loss to Chaos Williams, hey, it's a loss to Chaos Williams. That dude throws sledgehammers. So I, I'm not writing off too much on that. I also think they gave him the perfect opponent. Jacob Melkin is a guy who needs to get you down to, to sub you, really, in, in my opinion. He's not going to beat you on the feet. Um, you know, he's an Abu Dhabi qualifier from Oceana. So, like he's a guy who needs to get you down and he just happens to be fighting a guy whose nickname is judo thunder. And I just described how he <laughs> probably got too muscly. So like you ain't taking him down. You got to strike with judo thunder and hey, judo thunder happens to throw hammers himself too. So um, while he may have been on the wrong side of that with chaos Williams, 
I don't expect him to be on the wrong side of it with Jacob Malkin. No, we're both riding with Judo Thunder on Saturday. Um, all right. We may have a uh, difference of opinion on the next fight because Dan's boyfriend's fighting again, and he always likes to pick him. It's a heavyweight fight. Andre Arlovsky taking the short notice fight against Chase Sherman. Um, Sherman, 15-6 and six with 14 knockouts. Uh, he has been knocked out four times himself, so six of those, knock- six of those L's have come to be a knockout. Three and five in the UFC. Uh, oh, that's spread over two stints. He made his return um, just last fight, which he won. Um, he's won actually his last four fights via some form of knockout or TKO. He has an inch of height, inch of reach on Arlovsky, so it's pretty much a wash. He is 10 years younger, though. He is a more active striker also. He's at plus 115. Uh, Arlovsky taking this fight on short notice. He's 30 and 20 with two no uh, two no contests as a pro. Uh, he's <laughs> got 17 knockouts and three submissions he's been knocked out himself 11 times um he's 19 14 with one no contest in the ufc um he was ufc champion in 2005 uh, he made his ufc that's, debut that's right in, about when i started watching mma by yep. the way T- 2005 or a little before that uh, he made he made his ufc debut in 2000 he i think he made his pro debut in 99 so he's been around a while um he just fought what month and a half ago he fought in february and lost so he's taking this in short notice also uh he's won two of his last three though and three of his last five um grappling stats in his favor minus 145 uh i'll take some plus money on chase sherman please and thank you i uh i can't believe i'm gonna do this oh no I'm, i wanted I, us to differ i i want to differ too and if you go <sighs> if you listen to the to top turtle podcast i did say my official pick is andre Arlovsky because i will never <laughs> against him uh, but for we're, we're going to call this only for betting purposes, so I have some plausible deniability here um, because I can't hurt my Andre Arlovsky street cred. But, yeah, I think Chase Sherman is a bad matchup for, for Andre Arlovsky, if we're being honest. Because if you go back and listen to my breakdowns of why I thought Andre Arlovsky could beat Felipe Linz, why you thought I could beat Tanner Bolser, why I thought he could beat Tom Aspinall but didn't, is that he's got a style now that picks away at people. Right. He he is able to point fight people and convince them that point fighting him is right. Uh, he did it to Felipe Linz. Felipe Linz point fought against Andre Arlovsky and lost. He was like, oh, this seems like fun uh, and lost. Tanner Bolzer, same thing. He like didn't try to rush in and attack, you know, Andre Arlovsky. Now we've got Chase Sherman, who the dude loves to slug and get in your face. He just got done bare knuckle boxing for months like he's the worst kind of opponent for Andre Arlovsky because he's not afraid to get hit. He wants to get in your face and he won't fight a point fight against you. So, you know, I, I love Andre Arlovsky. I'm a huge fan. I love what he's done as a career resurgence, despite the fact that a lot of people find it less exciting. I think it was a great way to extend his career. I just think Chase Sherman is the worst possible type of opponent, you know, apart from Tom Aspinall, who's probably a top 10 to top five talent pretty soon. Um, for Andre Arlovsky, he, he's just the wrong type of style that, that he doesn't want to see. Yep. So it's sad to report that Dan and I are both picking the same picture. So sorry to uh, disappoint I, you, but I'm all, I know more, it's true. I'm more sorry to disappoint myself. <laughs> it's true. It's, are you going to watch the fight, Dan? I'm going to watch it, and I'm still. Uh, and, and let me let me get something clear too. I also love Chase Sherman. I had him on the show recently. He told a really touching story about how he was in a a terrible place before the UFC called him back. And he was really, really, really down on his luck. Um, so I, I love hearing his story too. I will probably still be sitting here rooting for Andre Arlovsky. Um, but I do expect to be disappointed. I fully expect to be disappointed. All right. As, as all our listeners um, enter every episode of our podcast, uh, <laughs> expecting to be disappointed. And, and we don't disappoint, do we? No, never. We don't disappoint. I mean, not in the last, <laughs> we like, never. Not in the last like six weeks. <laughs> no, it's true. All right. Uh, let's go to – how about we go to the co-main event already, guys? Light and gals, lightweight fight. Jeremy Stevens is moving up to lightweight. Um, the long-time UFC featherweight is making the move up to lightweight because changing weight class is always, always is the answer um, when you're old and your career is going down the tubes. He, he'll be fighting Drakkar Close. Um, let's break down Close, say, or Close, say, if you rather, first. 11-2-1 uh, 
as a pro with four knockouts, five and two in the UFC. He did get knocked out his last fight, which was over about a year ago, March of 2020. He's won three of his last four, though. He was on a three-fight win streak before that. Two years younger than Stevens. He's a more active striker of the two. He's at plus 105. It's crazy that he's only two years older than Stevens since he, Stevens was around forever. Stevens made his UFC debut in 2007. Um, yeah, he fought 20... Dean Thomas then. There you go. <laughs> there you go. The old grizzled man now, D- Dean Thomas. Um, now, Stevens, 28 and 18 with one no contest. So he's got an Andre Arlovsky style record almost. 19 knockouts, which is very impressive for a, a lighter weight guy. Uh, 19 knockouts, two submissions. He's 15 and 17 and with one no contest in the UFC. You do not see uh, losing records very often. Um, in the UFC, and not uh, at least not guys who have fought 33 times in the UFC. Um, he's lost his last four fights, and uh, he had a no contest sprinkled in there, so he hasn't won in his past five fights. His last win actually was February of 2018. This will be his first lightweight fight since 2012. Uh, he's got an inch of reach, so despite going up in weight class, he's not really uh, bigger than his opponent here. Um, actually, no, that, that makes sense. He shouldn't be bigger. He's going up, dummy. Um, despite all of those horrible stats I just gave you, he's at minus 130 for some reason. So I'll, I'll take some more plus money on this one. Thank you. Okay, well, you're going to get the differ you want here because I'm going to take Jeremy yes. Stevens. Um, yes. You can be pumped about that. But, look, everybody's writing off Jeremy Stevens because of his losses, right? And, like, look at his last four losses. Calvin Cater, Yair Rodriguez, Zabit Magomed, Sharapov, Jose Aldo. Like, that is a murder's row of fighters in – like, can we write him off for those? I don't think so, especially because, you know, he had a very close fight with Yair Rodriguez. He actually um, controlled a lot of the fight with takedowns. He looked really good doing it. And if you go before that, he's knocking out guys like Josh Emmett and Duhu Choi. So, like, the guy is still a talented puncher. He still has underrated wrestling. And he's fighting a guy who, let's be honest, I, I like Dracar Close a lot. I think his ability to wrestle is pretty quality. But, like, he's not the best boxer. He's coming off of getting knocked out by by Benil Dariush. Like, and Benil Dariush has knocked out a couple of people. But, like, dude, you shouldn't be getting, if you're an elite level lightweight, you shouldn't be getting knocked out by Benil Dariush. And, and Dracar Close, I think, has a problem on the, the feet in if he can't get Jeremy Stevens down, I think he's at a massive disadvantage in this fight. Jeremy Stevens is boxed with the best of the best in the, the featherweight division. And hey, if you go back to his lightweight record, dude, his lightweight record has some killers on it as well. He fought Anthony Pettis, Cowboy Cerrone, um, you know, guys like Sam Stout, who was super fun back then, who nobody listening to this show will remember. He knocked out Rafael Dos Anjos, like... And granted, those are that's a decade ago, and some of the people here uh, who are listening to the show probably weren't even in elementary school. But with that being said, I still think that the talent he has with his hands is there, and I think it's enough to beat Dracar Colosa. Sam Stout is Canadian, by the way, so I do remember him, of course. Do you remember um, the wars with Spencer Fisher? Of course. Those were so good, in, yes. in, although I have a slightly tainted view on that after uh, that MMA fighting article on Spencer Fisher afterwards. So, um Good reading, sad story, and we'll move on. <laughs> now, um, before we move to the next fight, so now you're also telling us you're tougher than Benil Dariush is what I read in no, that. No, but, but like you, you crapped Dariush, all over Benil, Benil Dariush. Dariush is a stellar grappler. He's an amazing black belt in jiu-jitsu. He is a top 10 lightweight in the UFC, and I'm not impressed by his punching power all that often, but the one time I was was when he knocked out Drakkar Closa. So, like... If the common denominator there is that often I'm not impressed by his punching and the one exception is knocking you out, you know, like, well, let's talk about your boxing. <laughs> I can't wait to see him knock you out, Dan. All right, moving <laughs> on. Uh, made event time. I thought this fight had happened already, but I realized it was when uh, Robert Whitaker's, um, you're supposed to fight when his insides exploded, right? I yeah, think uh, that was the time. First? And he had a, even worse, he had like a collapsed, um, uh, okay, I'm gonna look it up because it's really it was something really gross. gross I remember nothing. it was gross. It was something <laughs> gross, which is why I have to look it up to make sure I get it correct because we want. He had a abdominal hernia of the intestine and a twisted and collapsed bowel. Ugh, that, that this was, was grosser like, than I remembered. <laughs> yes, and this this was not due to fighting or anything. This was before the fight. This happened to him, so that's just uh, yeah. So that's why the, uh, I thought the fight happened, but it didn't because of his bowels. Um, all right, let's talk about. 
Calvin Gaslin, who we've decided is a, if not a chunky guy, he's at least a little sloppy or a little soft guy. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go with chunky because chunky Slop. sounds a little less, um, less good. insulting. Uh, I don't want to get in fights with Dan wants to get in fights with all these guys, but I don't. So <laughs> I, um, and I'm bigger than Dan, but anyhow, uh, Gaslin 16 to six with one, no contest. He's at six knockouts, four submissions on his record. In the UFC, he's 11-6 with one no contest. He Before that, he was 4-0 on the Ultimate Fighter, which is how he got into the UFC. Um, he just won a fight back in February, so this will be a quick turnaround for him. That was his first win in four fights, though. He's 1-3 over his last four. He's a year younger. He has the grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus 215 if you want to get some plus money here. That's a Robert Whitaker, former, uh, the former middleweight champion and former twisted and collapsed bowel man. Uh 22 and five with nine knockouts, five submissions. He's 13 and three in the UFC. He's won his last two fights. Uh, he's won 11 of his last 12. And the only fight he lost was to Izzy Adesanya when he dropped his belt. Um, however, he uh, his last five fights, he's not finished any opponents. His last finish, last finished an opponent was, uh, was back in 2017. Um, so you may, if you want to go with him, you may want to go uh, decision in this one. Uh, he's three inches taller, two inches of reach, um, which is actually I was going to say it's surprising, but Gossam really is a uh, a welterweight, welterweight or yeah. maybe even a lightweight who decided not to uh, not to uh, not to cut weight. Um, and Whitaker actually was a, was a welterweight before also. So um, he is a more active striker of the two, minus 280. I will go with the former champ to make it three straight and probably get a rematch with Adesanya, which he will get beat up and lose again. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. In, in you know, I was talking to a couple other guys recently, and, and somebody asked me the question, what is, what is Calvin Gastelum really good at? And I just kind of sat there quietly. For, eating? For, I mean, like, he's good at eating and, and occasionally missing weight and not having to move up. But, you know, jokes aside about his, his weight cut, like, it's hard to say one thing that's really good about Calvin Gastelum, right? Because you you can look back at some of his fights and be like, well, you know, in the fight with, with Ian Heinish, he looked really good wrestling, right? But how do you say that he looked really good wrestling when he then got outgrappled by, you know, Jack Hermanson and submitted in 30 seconds? Um, and you could say like, well, he looks fast, but there was that one time where he sort of got like out speed and strengths by Chris Weidman, who was, you know, like an over the hill version of Chris Weidman. Like, and if you're looking slow against Chris Weidman, like, can you really say that you're fast? Because Chris Weidman is not known for his speed, right? Like that's, that's not a Chris Weidman trait. So like, no, there's a lot of things he does adequately. And he, sometimes he puts it all together or sometimes he just finds the right combination to beat a guy like, you know, when he beat Uriah Halt, when the ultimate fighter, you know, he just held him against the cage for the most part, hit a couple of trips here and there and, and won enough of the striking to win, pick up the judges' scorecards. But like he's fighting a guy who is a complete fighter and is excellent at almost all of those things. You know, like he may not be a, a guy who tries to wrestle all the time. But, like, his wrestling is pretty damn good. He was a freestyle wrestler in, in Australia or New Zealand or one of those two. Um, so, like, Robert Whitaker can wrestle. And in addition to that, he's a great striker. You know, like, we can say what we want about him losing to Israel Adesanya. But ultimately, he is a really great striker. He is an elite fighter. There's a reason he's on the pound-for-pound pound greatest list in the UFC right now. It's because he is actually that good. And, you know, a loss to Adesanya, yeah, certainly doesn't look real great. But... I mean, like, look what he did to Darren Till. Everybody was saying the same thing about Darren Till. It's like, this is the right guy to beat him. You know, and people aren't saying that about Gastelum. But even if you're trying to, I, I mean, my, my argument is just going to be, I think Whitaker is just better literally everywhere. Yeah. And I was going to, uh, a few fights ago, we could question what after the Adesanya fight, whether, you know, that's the end of Whitaker, but he's reeled off two wins since that time. So. And he looked yeah, good he, in those wins, too. Yeah, like, he doesn't yeah, look tentative. Exactly. He doesn't look, you know, scared to eat a counter shot. Like, he just looks like the version of him that beat Yoel Romero. Um, so, like, and if you're, you're good enough to beat Yoel Romero twice, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not real concerned about Calvin Gastelum, who is, like, slower, worse wrestling uh, version of, of Yoel Romero. So, assuming his bowel stays... Uh intact he doesn't break his caucus or anything uh we're going with whitaker what via decision probably 
You know, I, I'm, no. I'm having a tough time on props on this one because, you know, like you said, it's been a while since he's finished anybody. But I also think that, you know, like, I'm not sure that I feel good about Kelvin Gastelum in a five-round fight. He was in that five-rounder with, with Israel Adesanya. But, like, I don't have a lot of experience seeing Kelvin Gastelum over, over five rounds. So I'm not sure I'm ready to say that I don't think that Whitaker finishes him. Um, I think more generally, I, I just think I stay away from props on this fight. All right, there we go. And we did, man, I, I, I'm not sure if we really should release this episode because we've cropped on, mostly you have cropped on a lot of fighters. I we, think you're we... just making it sound like I crap on them. I, I think mostly ah. I've said very nice things, but oh, your job whatever. is to make me the heel. So After uh, you've backtracked, after I pointed out that you've challenged a bunch of these guys to fight. So <laughs> now you <laughs> All right, so we're uh, now Who am the I latest. Supposed to fight Fabinski first? Is that the one? Yeah, that was, a, that was that's where it all started. That, that's what set you off, and then who? And he's who my knows. he's my countryman too. He's Polish. True. Dan, uh, in all fairness, Dan did come into the uh, into the podcast hot, so he was he was on tilt <laughs> on tilt as it was, so a little behind the curtain there. So, um, so yeah, Galsman is the latest guy that we've uh, we've um, ruined, sullied the good name of. So, uh, any other props that you're liking? Yeah, I, I think I said back before, um, I, I like Romanoff by submission in that fight with, with Espino. And because Juan Espino is known for his submission offense uh, and hasn't had to do much on defense, you can actually get that at plus 325 right now, um, which to me, when you got a guy with heavy top control and really great submissions like Romanoff, man, I, I think that that's just like a, a sleepy good play there. I would also say... Um, I think, you know, I, I said this at the beginning, I th- think Josie Nunes by knockout is kind of like a fun prop to look into because, you know, Farin hasn't gone the decision yet. Uh, she's just gotten knocked out so far and Nunes by knockout is plus 350. So, you know, I just gave you a pair of props here that are, are plus 300 or above, you know, 325 and 350, you know, just one of those hitting would really make your day. Yeah, that's that's worth the uh, money um, that you paid for this podcast right there. For, wait a minute, you pay nothing for this podcast, and Dan just Dan just gave you two three hundred plus odds there. So yeah, and I agree with both of them. They're, they're both uh, solid picks. Too. And now with so, either yeah. of them hit, I'll have something to pair with my plus uh, two seventy five that I hit a few weeks exactly. ago. Exactly. <laughs> ho ho ho. All right, let's let's do some locks and put this one to bed. Um, it's I got first. I have first pick this week. Um, yeah, I. I'm feeling the pressure of the perfect record, five and zero so far in my locks. So it's putting more pressure on me. Dan, Dan's free and easy at two and three. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't care. Um, I'm going to take a plus money lock, which is very rare. I'm taking Chase Sherman at plus one fifteen as my lock. Wow, that is a bold break your one. heart. It, it is, it, especially it, heavyweights too. It, heavyweights it, makes me a little nervous, but yeah. Uh, but also, I, I would say this though: a fight with Andre Arlovsky at heavyweight is not. It is not does does not have the same level of variability as most heavyweight fights where you're like oh yeah. he could knock him out at any minute. No, Andre Arlovsky hasn't thrown a punch with the intention of knocking anybody out in four years. Like so that's not true. And if it is true that we have to worry about the variability of a quick knockout, he ain't winning it anyway. So right. um, yeah, I, I think that that's not a terrible play. Obviously, I picked against Arlovsky for the first time in like a hundred years. Also, he's a he's a favorite for the first time in like fourteen fights. So yeah, um, why is he a favorite? I don't I don't know. He hasn't literally he hasn't been a favorite since he fought Frank Mir, uh, which is you know like Frank Mir's fighting on that goofy boxing card this weekend. So that tells you how long ago that was. So um, for my lock, I'm gonna take um, let me I, I think I'm gonna take Romanoff. Um, I, I like Juan Espino. I think this is gonna be a super fun grappling match. But ultimately, the guy who gets to have top pressure when they're both great grapplers, he wins the fight. So uh, I, I think even if this were to stay on the feet, like I said, Romanoff has these like blitzes that are kind of fun that I've seen him uh, have when he was fighting over in Moldova, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So on the Moldovan regional scene. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Romanoff in this one and I'm, I'm going to get him at. You know, what do we say? Minus 140? Minus one, yeah, minus 150, I think, is what I quoted yeah, at. So. I'll, I'll take that number all day. Oh, well, we're both taking heavyweights, too, so there you go. Um, so that um, concludes another successful episode, hopefully, of the uh, MMA Gambling Podcast, uh, episode 29. Uh, make sure, please, subscribe, and if, if you 
if you think we're good, rate. If you if you think we're bad, don't rate and review. But if you think we're good, rate and review. Um, if you think Dan's bad, you can review. But if you think <laughs> if you think I'm bad, don't review. If you're um, Bartosz Fabinski and you think <laughs> I actually want to fight you, don't review. <laughs> All right. So, so before we conclude, let's see. Dan wants to fight Fabinski. Who else does he think he's tough for? That? Um, I think you tried to put me in a fight Gaslam, with Lupita. He, Didn't you try to put me in a fight with Lupita Godinez? <laughs> I, I was asked. Yeah, I was asking if, if you think you're. T- I said you probably think you're tougher than both. I of don't. Them, she's so. much tougher than. <laughs> I, I would um, give her that. Gaslam, he crapped in gas. Oh, Benio Darius, who's not even on, he's on, not this even card. on the fight card. Dan, Dan, uh, Dan threatened his life also. So, um, yeah. So you can get at Dan at, at Gumby Vreeland, um, <laughs> and then and you can copy me in too, just for the laughs. I'm at uh, Jeff Fox writer. Um, make sure you listen to Top Turtle, who this week you got, what, Lupi Godinez as a guest, I think you said? Yeah, and I actually uh, went a little off the grid and got a Bellator guest this week as well. I'm going to be interviewing Julia Angelikis, uh, and he is fighting um, a newcomer to the promotion, or maybe somebody who's fought once in the promotion before. It's actually uh, Yair Rosenstroik's cousin he's fighting. Um, but Julius is the number five ranked light heavyweight in Bellator right now, which... Uh, it's kind of a shame he's not in the tournament, being that they ranked him number five and it's an eight-person yeah. tournament. But uh, he talked about how uh, it's not a big deal for him. So uh, he's All a right, very even keel guy and, and a fun one to talk to. Okay, so listen to that. Uh, listen to Prelim Picker, um, which I already have, so I already got that off my checklist. Um, read uh, Sports Gambling Podcast stuff. Uh, I've done that, so that's off my checklist. Uh, go to MMA-Manifesto.com. I've read everything there that's ever been posted, so... That's off my checklist too, but uh, make sure you go there. Dan's got a good profile on uh, Loopy, who we've spoken about a lot here. Um, he'll have a underdog pick coming out on Friday. I usually post this Friday. I've got um, the pick em contest I told you about. Uh, I got performance rankings, all that good stuff. So MMA-Manifesto.com for that. Um, and I think that is it. I think we can put this one to, uh, to bed. And as per usual, I'm going to let Dan um, – sign off as per usual so say say your catchphrase <laughs> say the catchphrase I thought, I thought i was just gonna let it go blank you know nope. just kind of like this no i want to put you on the spot dan <laughs> uh, what's your what's your catchphrase to say bye to all the people i i think my catchphrase on on my other show is uh i'm damn new gumby freeland he is arctic jeff fox and, <laughs> right and we will see you next week <laughs>